morning. How is everybody? All right. There is a handout. If you didn't get one, um, raise your hand and... that's going on, I'm going to go ahead and um, open us with a word of prayer. Gracious God, um, thank you that we are able to uh, come here today uh, to learn, to worship, to praise, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you and to uh, experience you, Lord. Um, we know that you are here with us uh, because your word says where two or three are gathered in your name that you are with us, but also, Lord, that you um, are omnipresent and you are everywhere. Uh, be with us. Um, open our hearts and our minds that we would um, receive your truths this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Well, today's attribute is God's goodness. Um, and the goal is to understand the immensity of God's goodness to us, especially in his gift of salvation. So you have a handout, and... I'm going to ask you to uh, make a change to it. If you look down to about the fourth, what would be paragraph, it's, there's a, a quote and an empty space. Move that up to the top. That's where we're going to start. Because I was up here preparing, and I was like, that makes more sense for that to be up there. So, the what that is, is Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending on her concept of God. So Tozier talks about that um, in the introduction. So if you think about that, it's like, why would that be the case? Why would, um, our, why would Christianity be strong or weak depending on our concept of God? Okay. I think that's along the lines of what he talks about, and I think that's true as well. Anybody else? Okay. 
Yes. Yep. Okay. That's good. Um, well, some say that religion is something grafted onto man and is the result of man's weakness or superstition. And history shows that no tribe or nation has ever risen morally above its religion. If they have a debased religion, they are a debased people. If they were not debased, the religion, though neither Christianity or Judaism, nevertheless was relatively high in the scale of non-revealed religions. I think that ties into to a certain extent of what um, has been said about why Christianity is strong or weak. Um, and some more things as we go through here will um, reveal that as well. Um, no religion has ever risen above its conception of God, which is the book used conception, and I think maybe concept could be a better word. Um, so no religion has ever risen above its conception of God. If the heathen believe that God is tricky, sulky, nasty, and deceitful, then your religion will build itself around that concept. So that's kind of what we talked about. Like what you believe about God is what your concept of God or your view of God is going to be. So if you believe that God is one God, that he is high and true, is a high and true and noble God, then even though we are not redeemed, um, the religion will tend to follow God upward, even though it's a pagan religion and does not carry redemption. Um, so I think the point that Tozier's making there is if we view God, well, that's on down here, sorry. Um, do any more comments on that? You understand what he's, the point he's making with that? Okay. Um, and Tozier talks too about um, uh, cowboy religion. In the book, he says, unbelievers say, take your cowboy God and go home. Um, what do you think he means by cowboy religion? Okay, yeah, that would be maybe our modern equivalent. And somebody else, is that you, Mike? Oh, the, the herd? Okay.
um, just doing what everybody else is doing, whether it's right or wrong. Okay. Anybody else? <laughs> I think he gets to that um, with what he talks about next, um, that our view or our religion is, is little because our God is little. I think with a, if you think about a cowboy God, it's not necessarily the God that we worship, um, but it's, it's our concept of God. And if our concept of God is not big, um, then it's, it's how we view God that I think is... Well, the question he asks is cowboy religion. Not necessarily a cowboy god, but I think it could be that. And and he doesn't really, I mean, he asks the question, but he doesn't really specifically address it. I think he addresses it through what he says following. Yes, colloquialism. I would agree with that. Yeah. It, it's it, you're not viewing God as who God is. I think is that cowboy religion. Yeah, that's kind of. I think so. Yeah. Because he says, "Our religion is little because our God." with a small g, is little. Our religion is weak because our God, with a small g, is weak. And our religion is ignoble because the God we serve is ignoble. And then we do not see God with a big G as he is. Yeah, I mean, God is not weak, but we are. Yeah. But a cowboy, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The... Thank you, Jeremy. So an individual Christian will be a success or failure depending on what they think of God. It's important that we have a knowledge of God, I would say a true knowledge, and that we know what he is like. Thus, as we go through these attributes, we are learning um, what God is like. It's very important that we know that God is good. In the next section, we're going to read some scriptures. And as they're read, um, listen for what they say about God being good and doing good. And that his loving kindness is over all his works. We move into what good means. There are seven um, scripture passages that he opens um, the chapter with, and I'll read those and, and listen for what they say about God being good, doing good, and his loving kindness over all his works. Um, Thou art good and doest good, Psalm one nineteen sixty eight. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. Isaiah 63, 7. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them, Psalm one thirty nine seventeen. For the Lord will again rejoice over thee for good, Deuteronomy 30, verse 9. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings, Psalm 36, 7. O taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Matthew seven eleven. So God is um, kind-hearted, Gracious, good-natured, and benevolent in intention. And let us remember that God is cordial. 
who knows what cordial means. It's what? Synonymous with polite. Welcoming. Anybody else? Well, the definitions, I got two. They're similar. Um, first one was just from Google. Cordial is warm and friendly. And then from Webster's 1828 dictionary, it's proceeding from the heart, hearty, sincere, not hypocritical, warm, and affectionate. So I think those would be attributes of God, things that would describe God, um, that we would, that would be comforting. Um. Um, so how does God's goodness differ from our own? He's gooder? Okay. So what? Yeah, God is the source of all good. So under that question, there are three statements. God is infinitely good. Remember, we talked about infinitude, I think, two weeks ago. Um, so God isn't just partly good. He is infinitely good. And we are not. Um, we can be good, but we are not infinitely good. And God is perfectly good, but we are not. And God is immutable. He will never change. So our goodness can change. God's goodness will not change. And I think immutable is an attribute that we'll talk about later on in a different uh, lesson. So the goodness of God means that he cannot feel indifferent about anything. And people are indifferent but not God. God either loves with a boundless, unremitting energy, or he hates with a consuming fire. Hebrews 1.9 says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The same Lord Jesus that loved with boundless, consuming love 
also hated with terrible consuming fire and will continue to do so while the ages roll. The goodness of God requires that God cannot love sin. So God is good, and that's a good thing for us. Um, He then goes on to talk about our reason for living. Um, And this is... um, at the end of last week was the uh, the goodness of God is the only valid reason for existence the only reason underlying all things was the part I pulled out as just uh, to pique your interest for this week um, and as I've gone through these studies I kind of typically there's usually one part in the chapter to me at least that seems to relate more to um, the 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 topic of the chapter than um, than some of the other things that he has in there. Um, so this was the one that um, I connected with more this week. Um, do you imagine that you deserve? to be born, that you deserve to be alive. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah. I don't think I've ever really thought or asked, do I deserve to be born? But I've maybe, you know, why was I born? That can be similar. Um, right. Which, that's kind of what he gets at. <laughs> that's what we deserve, but God, out of his kindness, does not send us there. Yes. Yeah. He said as soon as we start thinking we're entitled to anything, it's very dangerous. Why were we created? Did we deserve to be created? To praise God, to bring glory to God. Yes, that is true. what um, let's see and then another question there 
why were we not destroyed when we sinned? Um, so what Tozier, the point that Tozier's making in this is that God out of his goodness created us. that God out of his goodness spared us. So even though we don't deserve to be created, because of God's goodness, he did create us. And when we sin, we deserve death and, and hell, but God out of his goodness spared us. Um. Yes. Yes. Mike. Then the Redeemer being Christ. Yes. 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 God has an answer for everything because he... Yes. Yes. It's all good, good discussion there. Um, why does God answer prayer? Do we deserve to have our prayers answered? We don't get anything from God on the grounds that we deserve it. Yes. He does say no, and he does say wait, and he does answer. But we don't deserve. It, yes, it's all grace. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
it's from yes. Yeah, and I think that's the point he's making, that his God's grace is what, and his goodness are what, um, why we get what we do get, not because of anything that we have done, because we don't deserve, well, what we deserve is, is hell. Um Yes. Yeah, that I from what I understand and what I believe and I think what you believe is that I think he he is missing that grace alone there or or the, the election Yeah. I, I agree with with what you're saying there. Um, I think, you know, as I read through that and read that, what he said about that, it was like, I was like, hmm, okay. So he's he's on a, what he is believing is different than what we would believe. Uh, right. 
Um, then moving on into um, goodness and severity. Um, in coming to earth as a man, God came where we were. And by coming where we were, he understands us by sympathy and empathy. Um, and Tozer talks about that on page 49, the, about sympathy and empathy. Um, that sympathy is, um, comes from um, sim, meaning together, and, and pathy, um, meaning feeling or uh, suffering. So suffering together or uh, feeling together what someone is feeling and then empathy um, he talks about how that is um, being able to uh, project yourself into someone else and feel as they feel and so he says that um, Christ coming living as uh, uh, as a human is able to do that, and he references Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, and then Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And Hebrews 2 passage says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So because Christ came and lived here on earth and experienced all that we experience, he is able um, to help us in our sufferings, in our temptations. And then the Hebrews 4 passage for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, is, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may have mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So again, that's just a describing... Christ living and experiencing what we live and experience and therefore we can he can relate to us we can relate to him in that and know that there is one who lived a perfect life that we can look to when we um, face trials and temptations um Intimidating. Right. 
re, from the um, from the standpoint that Christ didn't sin, or Yeah, and I think there's a bigger picture there than just that he was tempted and he didn't yield to that temptation. I mean, it's the whole the whole aspect of of Christ and why he came and and why he was tempted but didn't yield to that temptation because of the sacrifice that he became that we can't do on our own. Um, but but I. I think I understand what you're saying in thinking of that, that um, yes yeah yes Shelly.
here. Um, I'm going to end with, I'm going to skip down to God's kindness. Um, and read, um, read this paragraph. Um, Jesus is God, and Jesus is the kindest man ever to live on earth. His kindness is something we must have. It must be a reflection, a lingering flavor, like an old vase that once held beautiful flowers. Though the vase is broken, the scent of the rose hangs around the vase. So mankind, fallen like a broken vase, dashed to the pavement and splintered into a million pieces, yet has something we call kindness. Um, How should the knowledge of the greatness of God's kindness affect the way that we live? We are created in God's image, and we're to imitate him. And if God is good and kind and loving to us, we should reflect goodness, kindness, and, to, and love to those around us. Yeah, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, so that should be evident in our life. Okay. All right. Um, let me... Um, Next week will be chapter 4, about God's justice. Justice must always prevail because God is the sovereign God who will always prevail. Let me pray. Gracious God, um, thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your kindness to us, Lord, that um, never fails. Lord, you are um, always good and kind and loving. Um, I pray, Father, that uh, we would take um, this knowledge of you. Lord, may it um, may we reflect it back to you and to those around us that we interact with each day. And may we live in a way that will please you and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.